Institute here. Carol Malinsky talking to you this morning. And I have in the studio with me uh, one of my favoritest people, Mr. Art Barter, who is, who is our leader. Good morning, Carol. Good morning. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, today is what? Uh, the 6th. 6th? No, 7th. 7th of, of January. So uh, we're back to full strength after a couple of weeks off. So yeah, great to be with you. Yeah. Great way to start off the new year, hanging out with one of my favorite pe- <laughs> peeps as well, Carol Malinsky. Thanks, Art. And you know, I just, I wanted to make mention, we're seeing uh, from our downloads that you folks are really enjoying this series that we're doing on the Art of Servant Leadership too, And we've got just hundreds of people listening to these. And I do want to remind you that if you've missed a recording, they're all on our, you can find them all on our website, the Connection. Yes, exactly. And uh, so you can go back at any time and, and listen to the other chapters. But today, we're going to focus on Chapter 4 of The Art of Servant Leadership 2, written by Mr. Art Barter. And it is called Measure Transformation and Results. So... Art, to start out with, one of the most prevalent things we hear, phrases we hear, or questions we hear as you talk to clients is, servant leadership, how can it be nice and still have good business results? How does that happen? Yeah, you know, um, and I'll go back to how we define servant leadership at Daytron World. Uh, manufacturing company that we have is to inspire and equip those we influence. Now, nothing in that statement says I need to be nice. (laughs) Okay. Now our values that we have give us guidance on how we're going to operate and how we're going to deal with each other. So that's how we deal with each other. And what I want to get across is you can get results in a power-led way where you don't care about people you just care about results and the way I like to phrase it is you generate the profits and serve people through your pocketbook and not through your heart now people go well you want me to use my heart in business Mm -hmm. and I'll say yeah you do and what I like to tell people is servant leadership isn't soft it will be one of the most difficult things you do as a leader because you still have to get results. The difference is how do you get those results? Yes. Do you get it by living your values or do you get it in a way where people don't feel valued? All right. Now you're going to have moments where you as a servant leader are, are going to have your moments. I have my moments where I don't come across as a servant leader. That's because I'm not perfect. So do you have to have the same monotone approach? Do you have to talk the same way? I don't know very many people who can do that and be effective leaders. Now, I'm sure there are people out there. It's just not my DNA. 
And so when we talk about it being soft, it really is the most difficult thing that you can do as a leader is to worry about how you get those results instead of saying, staying focused on results and not caring about the people mm. that you have on your team. And it is one of the most difficult things I've done uh, is to change a culture in a company, set values, set a great purpose, and then live that day in and day out like your decisions reflect that. Uh, so it's not soft at all. It really isn't soft. Yeah. And, and the people who like to say that, they don't understand what servant leadership is all about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it must be difficult because as you're trying to lead in that way and trying to focus on how you're getting the results, you can also see, um, look ahead and see what the results will be of not having results. Oh, absolutely. Because you, know, uh, you can see where the business is going. Mm-hmm. Um, and that must be very, very tough. It, it is. And, you know, in Jim Collins' Good to Great, he looked at companies that performed over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And the companies that performed over that long period of time, guess what? They did business differently because they knew that if we just stayed focused on results and it was all about power, you're going to get results for a shorter period of time, not for that longer period of time, because you're doing it the wrong way. Mm. And people are going to say, hey, I don't want to be around this company because all they care about is money. Yeah. Right? They don't care about people. And so, um, anyway, I could talk all day just on that <laughs> subject, as you know it, as you know very well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have another question that's associated with that, and, um, and that is, where do results fit into the picture as a servant-led company, and are results viewed differently than they are in the power-based environment? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. When we work with clients, um, I'm, I'm asked about half the time, uh, what measure do we need to create in order to see if we're doing anything better? Mm-hmm. And my response is always, what are you measuring now? And if you're measuring things now, pick one or two of those measures that you want to focus on improving and do it from a servant leadership service standpoint. Because if we can't help you improve on what you're already measuring, then why go down this path at all? You don't need to create new measures because if if we can't help you perform better financially, relationship-wise with employees, engagement, then why are we doing it? Mm -hmm. So um, focus on the things you're already doing and already measuring and see if you can prove those over the next 12 months in a different different approach. Um, so that's one aspect of it. The other aspect is how do you measure the transformation of individuals in this culture shift that you're trying to make um, with a different leadership approach? That's a little bit more difficult. And for me, that's more from a standpoint of observation of how people act and what they say and what they do rather than some metric that we put uh, into a review process every month. Mm-hmm. All right. So that one's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But really, whatever you're measuring, and whether it's engagement, financial performance, 
getting projects done on time. Look at what you're already measuring and improve those measures. Because if you can't improve what you're already measuring, then why do it? Yeah. Why do yeah. It? Well, it certainly seems like a, a more straightforward approach instead of adding layers of more things and things to measure, mm -hmm. which we've certainly encountered those, and particularly in some of the bigger organizations that we've interfaced with. Right. Um, you know, and that's, it's just, to me, it doesn't make as much sense as just taking what you're already measuring and see if you, seeing if you can improve it. Right. Because that's going to get the most attention. In, yes. In people and senior leaders in your organization is if they see improvement in what you're already doing in mm -hmm. measuring, they're going to start asking, well, what are you doing down there? What are you doing in this department? Because they're getting better <laughs> results than the other group. And we didn't have to create a new measure. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. think about that sounds, one. Sounds good. In this chapter, you talk about the importance of creating a safe environment for failure. Um, can you share with us what the safe environment for failure looks like? You know, when you ask people to change, and I'll, I'll, I'll say their belief, and for everybody, then this is not in the book because this is some new content that, that we've been thinking about for about a year, is a belief is a thought that you trust to be true about leadership. And so... You have to think of things differently. You have to look at people differently. And you have to say, if I'm the senior leader in the room, are people willing to put the real issues on the table? Number one. And if the answer is no, then you've got to ask yourself, what am I going to do to create an environment where that can happen? So that's part of the transformation. But the other thing is you've got to meet people where they are and instead of them interacting with the CEO, in my case, I need to create that environment where they can grow and learn without having their bosses in the room. All right? Mm -hmm. And so that safe environment where people can say, hey, I'm really having a tough time with this servant leadership thing. You know, you seem to, if you and I are, are peers and our bosses on, Carol, how, how are you doing this? Mm-hmm. What's the process you've gone through to help you change your behaviors? What's worked? What hasn't worked? And how can you help me get better? Because I do want to get better. I just don't know how to do it. And you can't say that to your boss. I don't know anybody who will sit down with their boss and say, hey, listen, I'm really struggling. I don't know what to do. I need your help in helping me grow and get better. There are a small percentage of people who will say, I can do that with my boss. Mm -hmm. And that's great. But the majority of people you're asking to change in an organization don't feel comfortable doing that because of their experiences they've had with CEOs in the past. Mm -hmm. And so what we learned at Datron is I needed to create that environment where people could learn and grow without being judged. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, and it took us a while to learn that. It, it didn't come um, right up front, and it didn't come easy because you've got to have some patience. You've got to step back and let people transform and move forward at their own pace, and they're not going to move at the same pace across the board. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's really... It's really difficult for a leader. I know this just from personal experience as well. When 
when someone that you're responsible for, mm-hmm. someone in your organization, um, makes a mistake. Right. And it's it could be a very costly mistake. Mm-hmm. And having an environment where they can where they even feel like they can come and really share with you about that is that's pretty tough to establish. Right. Now, you've gone to the mistake, which is what the original question was. How do you create that environment, safe environment, so people feel that they can fail without getting shot? Mm-hmm. Is really yeah. what it's all yeah. about, right? Don't <laughs> yeah. shoot the messenger. And, you know, what I encourage people to look at is when you have a problem in the organization, focus on the process, not the people. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. most of the time you're going to find a process issue, not a people issue. Now, you're going to have some people issues. And you can deal with that in the right way. Um, but focus on, okay, ask a couple questions. If you have a process that's failed, and it can be a very specific issue, um, ask yourself, what have I done as a leader to mm-hmm. create this environment where people feel okay to either go around your processes or do something different um, without telling people what they're doing. Because that's really what we're talking about here, is people want to do things their own way instead of what the company needs them to do. And I I face this quite a bit at Daytron because we bring new people in. And integrating them into our process, they bring their experiences and. So it's a little difficult, but the thing you can't do as a leader is don't shoot the person who says, hey, we didn't do what we're supposed to do here. Create the environment where that's safe to do that. Mm-hmm. And like we've talked in, in previous webinars, it may require you to step out of the room. All right. And not be involved in making sure that they mm-hmm. see the problem from your perspective but from my perspective, my, my role is to provide guidance and listen to the solution on how we're going to make sure this doesn't happen again. Right. What are we going to change and improve the process? And here's the guidelines I want you to operate on. It's not my job to go in and fix issues. And there's an interesting balance there. And, and again, this, this, this probably isn't in this chapter because, you know, we wrote this book a couple of years ago and we've got a little bit more knowledge of things. Um, when you have those challenges and you find out processes weren't followed, um, really ask how you're gonna improve those. Are they relevant? Mm-hmm. Do they need to be changed? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if you go through all that and find out that the process was followed but the people didn't follow it, that's a, that's a little different, different question. But let people fail, and when they fail, use it as a learning experience and go into a mentoring coaching mode and ask questions. And I had this situation at Daytron just yesterday and there were terms used by two people who have been with us for 15, 20 years. And I had two people who have been with us probably uh, both of them less than five years. Mm And so terms were being used by those two employees that have been around for a while. And so when we got done, I had one of the, the, the gentlemen stay behind. I said, what do you think they meant by the word Q? You, you know what I mean by Q level, right? And we've used it for years. 
and nobody had sat down and taught this individual about what it means in our organization when we have a product at Q level. All right, now that was an onboarding issue and a mentoring coaching issue, not that he was a bad person. Mm -hmm. So I spent 30 minutes passing on my knowledge about what that means in our organization and how he should look at that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's almost like every company should have a dictionary. Exactly. You know, of their particular terms and titles and what they call this and that. I mean, yeah, that's a real common issue, I think. Yeah, because uh, we have worked with organizations where there's half the company has been with the company for 15 to 20 years. The other half of company is less than five years. Yeah. Um, and those people with five years or less, they have to feel comfortable about making a failure, you know, be, making a mistake. Right. Um, and, you know, one of my favorite quotes is, um, oh, what is it? Failure isn't fatal. Right. Uh, what's the other half of that? I've, I've Gosh, I've, I've I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but failure is not, not fatal. Right. Failure is a way to teach people and help them learn and pass your knowledge on to them. Right. Yeah. And help them make a better decision down the road. Yeah. So um, what are some ways that we can measure? We talked a little bit about measuring um, progress and transformation. But what are some ways we can measure the progress of servant leadership transformation among leaders? Can you give us some examples? Yeah, you know, we're all about behaviors. Anybody mm -hmm. that's been following us for a while, we're all about behaviors. So I look for changes in behavior. When we started to implement servant leadership, my position as a leader was as long as I saw people wanting to change and changing, I'd stick with them. Mm -hmm. I would stick with them, right? Regardless of how fast or how slow they were. What I didn't apply to that was I can't let somebody transform over a two to three year period and hurt the organization. Mm -hmm. I, I can't do that. So as long as it's balanced out that you're not hurting the organization, and in the case of this one individual, they were hurting the trust level within their organization because they were power-driven leader. They talked the right talk, but their behavior didn't reflect mm -hmm. that talk. And so um, in the book, we actually provide you a copy of the 360 evaluation we did. And the key to that is those 10 areas that we did the 360 on didn't come from me. They came from the team. This was their definition of what they believed at that point in time um, in the transformation of Datron into this new culture that they felt a, a servant leader should be. You were part of that process. Yes. And when I look back, that's when we transferred that ownership. So what we did was everybody did a 360. Then we had to get up and talk about our two lowest rated um, behaviors and tell the group what we're going to do to improve. Now, one of the things that we asked people to do was we had a little system online where you could go in and you, every month you had to record, hey, this is an area that I did really well in my transformation, and here's an area that we struggled. Now, I didn't go read all that stuff, but when we got together once a month, we asked people to share. Mm -hmm. We didn't tell them to share. 
we asked them to share it. So the people who felt safe would tell people, this is where I did great and this is where I struggled. And what happened is people would talk in that meeting about, here's what I did to help. So, it, and now we're in a group, in a big group, learning as a leadership team instead of a small group, learning as individuals. So I look at behaviors, I look at what they say, but I, more important to me is what you do. Yeah. Um, because we like to say behavior talk, behave it. Um, and so we look for individual transformation in that way. The other way is that intrigued me is hearing the stories where people had tried things in their families. Mm. And you know, you and I both know one individual who tried servant leadership out on their teenagers. And the first time he says, hey, can I pick you up something from, from the store? And the teenager says, what? What do you mean pick me something up at the store? He says, do you need anything? And it took him a couple months to get his teenager to understand, hey, I'm going to the store. If you need anything, I'll pick it up for you. And not think that the, the parent has a different motive and they're right. just trying to get something out of them. Yeah. So in this environment, you know, we talked a lot, little bit about small groups. I'm going to go back to this for a minute. Because doing small group within a company is one thing. But I'm going to ask people, when you meet people at the coffee shop, Starbucks or whatever you have at your location, and you sit down and you start talking about work, is that a learning environment or is it just a complaining session? <laughs> so we have small groups in coffee shops all the time. We get together with friends, other business people. We feel safe in that environment because everybody's having a cup of coffee. We're laughing. We're having a good time. We may get serious about talking. I see small groups in coffee shops all over town here. And so it just doesn't have to happen within the company. You may go to lunch. And that's your small group. Because mm -hmm. you're going to go hang out with people you like and you can talk with. You're not going to go invite your boss that's three levels up to go to lunch with you. Or, or meet you at the coffee shop to have coffee. So think of small groups from that perspective, too, that a lot of people are already doing that when they when they go have coffee at Starbucks and meet other people there. They could be inside the company or outside the company or a combination. And that's going to be an opportunity for you to learn from other people. Yeah. The, the key point being the sharing that goes on. So the stories are really important, Carol, and, and there's really two sides of the story. The side that we've been talking about so far is the transformation side of the story after they've people have changed their behaviors. But more importantly, and we did this in our training when we started it at Datron, is the first thing we did in the first class is tell your story about who you are. Where did you come from? What's your culture? Uh, what's your story about the, the great things you've done or maybe even the small things? Tell us about your family. And what we heard from people was they really enjoyed that part of the training because we got to know people. Mm -hmm. And we believe that once you got to know people, that provided a great basis for you to work together and learn together to transform into this culture. So the stories are two sides. What's the story of Carol? What's your story of your life? Right. What's the story of our barter's life? Right. And then what's your stories after you transformed? So one of the really neat things I think of, if I recall, 
as I recall that particular time is, you know, in many manufacturing companies and other types of companies as well, I'm sure, there is this barrier between the people who build things mm-hmm. and the people who administrate things. Right, exactly. Yep. And um, there is usually a huge separation, and the person from manufacturing would never dare. You know, to go into the carpeted environment and interface with those folks. But now you add that element of, first of all, being trained together, Mm -hmm. but then sharing stories. And funny thing, those barriers start to go away. They start to come down. And now when the administrators need to go out to the manufacturing floor over some issue, problem, whatever that they're trying to resolve, they're looked at in a whole different way. Mm-hmm. And relationships begin to form right. between those people. And that's really a cool thing to see happen. It, it is. And when you get back to measuring transformation and results is when you decrease those barriers and, and hopefully eliminate them mm-hmm. and people start working together we bring people in that actually do the work earlier in the process and when people feel valued like that they now have ownership in the solution right and that solution gets done a lot quicker and they get to celebrate the results that come out of that both from their stories and from the financial perspective of the performance right. of the company. So you just hit the nail on the head as far as this um, this results issue that what I'm hearing is one gigantic reason your results improve in servant leadership is because relationships are built. Right. Yep. Now, I will, I'm going to tell you a story um, from just the last two months. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've shared with the audience that we, we do business in the country of Jordan. And when we first started out there, I met a general, and he and I became, had a great relationship. Well, he went off to a foreign country, got assigned to a foreign country. Well, he's just now returned. Uh, this is probably close to 13 to 15 years later. Wow. And he's now back wow. as the head of uh, the military. Um, and... What's interesting is he said, I'm really looking forward to go back to Vista and spend time with Mr. Barter. Hmm. And our sales director said, what are you looking forward to? And he says, you know, I really respected the way he treated me. And the one thing he remembered was Mr. Barter opened the car door for maybe when we went to dinner. And he says, and he took me to a restaurant in the middle of nowhere. All right. Now, we drove to a restaurant that's part of a golf course, so it looked like the middle of nowhere at night. But what he remembered was I treated him with dignity and respect. Yeah. Because I respected him as an individual. I created a relationship, and I respected his office and what he was doing. Uh, And that stuck with him. So I'm really looking forward to getting him back to visit us Mm -hmm. so we can share. I'm going to ask him some personal questions because we really had a a lot of fun getting to know each other personally. But we get to work together again. And That's I think great. we're going to be able to do some great things. Yeah. Because he respects, honors, and has trust 
that Datron is going to help him complete his mission mm-hmm. of security and sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And that's things that you don't get to see in the real business world a lot. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Especially with oh, a different great. culture. Yeah. Yeah. Different culture and, and what a great um, legacy to be building, you know, that it is possible for people to it is. work together. And when he walks into our plant and sees all the things we do and give back to the community and how we, we it's not just about putting money in our pocket. It's about giving back to the communities we do business in. He knows we're serious about serving. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to have customers come to our plant because they get to see the heart of Datron, not just see Art Barter or the sales team. Mm-hmm. And I know that our competition that we have can't compete because they don't approach business the same way. And I love it because let the customer come and let them see the heart of the people at Datron. Mm-hmm. And not just, hey, I want a good price and I want great delivery, um, et cetera. And a lot of people can't can't um, compete with that. Yeah. yeah, I got kind of a little off track there. That's Sorry, okay. Carol. That's okay. Yeah. It was great. Um, you know, you write in the book that probably, I'm going to segue now, <laughs> that probably your greatest difficulty as a leader during that period of implementation was understanding where each person was in their transformation and at the same time helping them to perform and be successful together. Can you share with us a little bit about how you accomplished this? You know, when we first went into implementing, uh, I thought we would transform pretty much at the same pace. (laughs) All right. And what I learned was some people were ready to transform and just go down this path. They just didn't know how, mm-hmm. or they're waiting for their leadership to say, hey, it was okay. Mm-hmm. Other people were going to struggle with it. Now, it didn't mean that people were better than other people in the organization. It just meant, hey, I'm going to need a little help to change. I'm not going to change this fast. And once I started to realize that, is I now understood I had to re- approach each person. Mm-hmm in their transformation, not as a, as a whole. And what I started to do was I want to help the people who are having the, the, most, the difficult time in transforming. Um, that took maturity on my part because I just wanted everybody to change at the same time. All right. I'm like yeah. any earlier. Yeah. I want, Hey, I've decided to do this. Let's go do it. It's done. Um, and it didn't work that way. And if anybody who's changed a culture in a company knows, that not everybody's going to jump on board. And, you know, the culture, when I joined, you were already with the company. The culture back then was, hey, we're just going to wait to see what the next year's management buzz is going to be, mm-hmm. right? And people would just sit back and go, management's not serious about this, so I'm not going to change because they're not changing. And that was difficult for me to grasp onto. And part of it was because I didn't understand why people wanted to change as fast as I wanted to change. Now, one of the things, you know, people know I'm, I'm um, a man of faith. And part of my drive is because of my faith. And one of the things I had to do with people is say, hey, this is what drives me. I want to know what drives you. And number one, I'm not, I'm not here to 
expose everybody to any faith because I really, really want people of multiple beliefs, multiple cultures in the company because I think we can be better in doing that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Not a lot of leaders will say that. Um, but I want multiple cultures, multiple beliefs, et cetera, because we're going to challenge each other and we're going to keep people, uh, honest with that. And I think at one of the offsites with the leadership team, I told them, told the group what, what was driving me. And I told them that that's my personal drive. What drives you? Cause I can't force you to have the same drive that I have. And it's not my intention to get you to do that. My approach was help you identify what drives you and what what's the reason why you want to change now that's i had 30 close to 35 leaders at the time and i'm looking at this going i don't have enough time for this stuff <laughs> and i will tell you that if you're really serious about changing the culture of your company you have to have time for that type of transformation by individual and it isn't that you have to have interface with people, but you have to make sure they have people around them that can help them grow. Yeah. Because you're going to inspire them. It isn't all going to come from me. It's going to come from people around them. You're going to equip them the same thing. It's not all going to come from me. Because um, if people just say, hey, Art, you're going to have to do it all, we're going to fail because I don't have the ability to do everything in the company. Don't want yeah. it. Don't have it. <laughs> um, et cetera. So, understanding that people are going to change at different speeds and as long as i saw a heart to change i was willing to invest in that person mm -hmm. as long as it wasn't hurting the company because i still had to get results right this chapter is all about measuring transformation and results they're not independent right. they go together and so i had to understand how to help people and to do that i had to understand where they are because adding value to people is you have to add value from where they are, not from where you are. And that's a difficult thing for leaders to understand. Yep. Yeah. So it was the most difficult for, thing for me to learn as a leader and then implement as a, as a leader. Well, yeah, because there's you must constantly have to um, sort of see the other side, see the, the, uh, where the person is. And we're not used to doing that no i meet me where i am yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and the great analogy is there hey my door's always open and i've talked right. about this before. i don't care take the door off off your office i want to know what's in your calendar yeah because that's going to tell me if you're going to meet people where they are yeah instead of expect people to come meet me where i am yeah, yeah. so there you are and you're doing that you're you're looking for to find out where people are. You're trying to help them to grow in their leadership, and you run into the person that just doesn't get it. Mm -hmm. What do you do? Um, plain and simple. If they're not going to be part of the culture you've established, uh, you've got good values. You've got a great purpose. Mm -hmm. You've tried to inspire you've tried to equip and they're just not grasping on they're not bad people number one they're just people who need a different environment to be successful in uh help them find that company help them find that company because what i've learned over 15 years is 
I plant the seed in that individual about changing and believing in a different leadership style. That seed may not grow for another five or 10 years. That may not grow while they're at Daytron. But somewhere down the road, they may run into another Art or another Carol or some other people that have taken this journey and go, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to let that seed grow. Um, and people will come back to me after leaving the company two, three years down the road and go, I, I get it now what you're trying to teach me. Yeah. So plant the seed. If you have somebody that's not getting it right now, help them find an environment that will accept them the way they are because they're going to be happier. Mm-hmm. It may not be a great company, but let them go work in that because that's where they're, they're going to feel comfortable. Yeah. And again, I want to impress it. They're not bad people. They just need a different environment to, to thrive in. So really key, key concept here, listeners, that Art just talked about, and that is this concept of planting seeds. You know, when we are really jazzed about something, maybe it's a leadership program, leadership style that we want to implement, we have a tendency to, um, to think that we have to accomplish the whole thing. Right. We have to start it. We have to hang with people. We got to do our thing. We got to see it transformed. Right. And that is not always meant to be. Right. So if you can look at things the way Art has described as planting a seed that could grow five or ten years later, you are way ahead of the game there. I mean, that's a really, a, really an important concept. Um, for you to take away from this podcast today. Yeah, the transformation may occur in the four walls of your company. Mm-hmm. But when I look at, at being successful as a servant leader, I really don't care where that seed grows. I'd love to have it stay at Daytron, but the, date, the Daytron environment may not be where that life needs to be in order to grow. And so when people leave and go somewhere else, I go, hey, Take that, go look for that environment, grow in that environment, um, and let that person go and let them grow. Mm-hmm. And that's a real difficult thing for a leader because we want to retain people. Sure, retention. of course. And retaining people isn't the whole picture. You want to retain the people that are willing to grow, that are willing to work in their gifts, that are willing in our in our company respect and honor people, trust people, and when you do that, you're going to have amazing, amazing. You're you're going to measure the transformation, and the results are going to come. I mean, we we saw that year after year after year, where we would in in our product business gross margin is one of the measurements we measure, and we saw our gross margins just go up unbelievably because. The business went up because we were earning it based on trust, mm. not just on selling product and delivering product and walking away. We created that relationship with people. So the amount of business we took on uh, in the building we were in here in Vista and the other building, we thought we could do $30 million out of that business. We did close to $200 million out of that, uh, out of that space. location, <laughs> space. <laughs> yeah. And so we didn't even believe when we got started that we could do more than $30 million out of that, that facility. 
we ended up, I think at the peak, did 175, 180 million in product deliveries out of that building. Now, that's an amazing difference. Mm -hmm. But when we got started, we didn't have that focus and that belief. So we had to change how we looked at things too. And that's why when I wrote this chapter, I said we have to measure both transformation and results, not just the results, because mm -hmm. how you get them is more important. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So you talked a little bit about how much Datron was able to um, increase their shipments out of uh, out of their location at that time. Are there any other um, positive results you can give us examples of that, that Datron experienced? We saw trust improve, mm. and we saw relationships. You mentioned a little bit. I, I think the business term that everybody likes to use is we operate in silos. Uh, we saw those silos go away because now people had relationships. We were asking people for their input earlier in the process, and now they became part of solving that process issue. Mm -hmm. um, and that made a big difference with people, a big, big difference. Um, so we saw trust improve dramatically in the company. Um, I think for me is when we had company gatherings, we had a lot of fun. We still have a lot of fun together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when people get together and have fun and you can laugh at each other, you know, I love to tell jokes. But I don't like to tell jokes just to tell jokes. I tell stupid jokes. Mm -hmm. And that's because <laughs> I want to get people to laugh and I also want to pe get people to groan. And that's kind of yeah. become a tradition when we get together is what kind of stupid jokes is Art going to tell? Now that's part of me being transparent mm -hmm. because I'm going to laugh at myself just as much as I'm going to laugh uh, at the joke. And when we can have fun like that, when we used to have Christmas parties, you know, in the old days where everybody went to a Christmas party once a year at an offsite, um, we had a lot of fun in those parties. We changed that because we found out that only 40% of the people were participating. Mm -hmm. So we went to Christmas right. lunch. Now everybody participates. Yeah. So we have a higher participation, and we still have fun together. In fact, we just had one before, before Christmas where we had a lunch. And, you know, we, we give away some cash during that time frame. Envelopes filled with cash. And one of the traditions we give away every year is a week's worth of paid time off. So think about that. You're going to give somebody a week's time period off, um, and they're going to remember that. Mm -hmm. because now you're saying in our company families come first so I have to transform how the company operates and look at results from that standpoint as well do I'm really serious about my values I'll give away a week's worth of PTO sometimes you give away two weeks we'll do two or three drawings um, and you know what it doesn't cost the company any money because productivity has gone way up mm -hmm. And you're giving people some time off to let them celebrate with their families. And they get to tell their, their families, hey, this is a gift from Daytron. That's a big difference in helping people transform because you're giving that back. Oh, yeah. You're giving it back to the individuals that helped you be successful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And in turn, you know, as you talked about, I mean, loyalty increases. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and people just feel good about being part of that whole process. 
They do. And so you, you get to see trust go up. You get to see engagement go up. You get to see the fun factor go up, the smile factor. When I go into organizations, to, my first time we go help them with training is I look at the smiles in the room. Mm -hmm. And when I see some smiles, hey, that's great. But if I don't see any smiles, I go, this is going to be, I know where I need to start because I'm going to meet them where they are. And if they're right. not smiling, I have to meet them where they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I look at how we transform people's faces during our training sessions because that tells me I've gotten to that person. Mm -hmm. I can have them fill out all the evaluation forms they want. I measure success by what's on their face at the end of our workshops, our training, etc. Are they having a good time? Or are they just sitting there getting through the time because management told them they had to sit through this train? Yeah. So I'm going to help the people who want to change, yeah, and help them with that transformation. We've learned the results will come because I'm not focused on the results. I'm focused on helping people learn and get better. And when they learn, get better, and all that stuff that comes along with it, people feel like they're part of the process. They're trusted by management. We want to hear from you. We want you to be part of the problem. We want you to own it. We want you to tell me when the process is need changing. When you let them, when you inspire them and equip, equip them and then step out of their way and let them go, the results are going to be there. Guaranteed. Mm -hmm. So the one thought I want to leave everybody with um, is we talk about measuring transformation. Um, don't use that as a hammer to get people to change. And what I mean by that is don't punish them when they don't change the way you expected them to change. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Don't punish them. Because people are going to fail in their, in their change and accepting the culture you want to put in the company. And you have to show compassion for that. Not compliance, I'm going to beat you up, you can't work here, we're going to fire you. You can't have the fear factor. It's got to be based on compassion and a desire to inspire and equip and teach people that they can grow and give them the environment to grow in. And that's what's so important about putting this transformation and results together. Mm. Great, great stuff. Art, thank you so much. For, My pleasure. For sitting in with me today and discussing Chapter 4 of The Art of Servant Leadership 2. Yeah, and I want to, you know, we've had a great response, like, like you mentioned, and mm -hmm. I said, you know, I'm, I love that. We're here to serve. We're here to help you grow. Uh, so thank you for everybody who has shown a desire to listen to what we have to say. And we just want to help you get better and add value to you. Thanks so much, audience, for being with us today. And we also want to uh, send out our Happy New Year greetings to all of you. Uh, listening to this and tell your friends um, about the series that we're doing and visit our website at www.servantleadershipinstitute.com. Stay tuned for chapter five. We'll see you in about a month, right? Yeah. Okay, great there. Carol, thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. I have a quick announcement before you go. For this episode, we have an extra special gift to give you. For the first 20 listeners, we will ship you a first edition author's copy of The Art of Servant Leadership 2. 
So be one of the first 20 listeners to email us at info at servantleadershipinstitute.com with the subject ASL2 First Edition, and we will send you a book at no cost to you. Shipping will be limited to the U.S. only. That's all I have for you today. For more information on SLI, visit our website at servantleadershipinstitute.com. Thanks for listening to this episode and allowing us to add value to your day. Thank you.